Ashley Brock reading the Diane Palmer's book, Mercenary's Woman, Chapter 11, and the last chapter. And exactly an hour from the time Lopez hung up, the phone rang again. Ed let Jessica answer it. Hello? She said quietly. The name, Lopez replied tersely. She took a slow breath. I want you to understand that I would never have given up my informant under ordinary circumstances, but nothing I say can harm her now. I only found out today she's beyond your vengeance, so it doesn't matter anymore if you know who she was. Who she was? Lopez asked, his voice hesitant. Yes, was. Her name was Isabel. His indrawn breath was so harsh that Jessica almost felt it. Isabella, he bit off. There was a tense pause. Isabella. I lost, I lost touch with her before your trial, Jessica courtly, said courtly. I assumed she'd gone away and taken on another identity, escaped being found out. I didn't know that she was already dead. Still, but Lopez said nothing. The silence went on for so long that Jessica thought the connection was lost. Hello? she asked. There was another intake of breath. I loved her, he spat. In my life, there was no other woman I trusted so much. But she wanted nothing to do with me. I should have known. I should have realized. He killed her, didn't you? Jessica said coldly. Yes. He said and didn't sound violent. He sounded oddly subdued. I never meant to. But I lashed out at a moment's rage and then it was too late. Now my regrets would not bring her back to life. He drew another breath. She was close enough to me that she knew things no one else was permitted to know. It occurred to me that she was asking for too many questions, but I was conceited enough to believe she cared for me. There was another brief pause. The boy will return to once. You will find him at the strip mall with the toy store in five minutes. He will not be harmed. You have my word. Nor will you ever be threatened by me again. I regret many things. Yet in an odd tone. And the line went dead abruptly. Jessica caught her breath, still holding the receiver in her hand as if it had life. Well, Dallas asked impatiently. She felt for the instrument and replaced the receiver with slow deliberation. He said that Stevie would be in a toy store in the strip mall in five minutes, unharmed, her eyes closed. Unharmed! Ed motioned Dallas toward Jessica. Let's go, he said tersely. What if he lied? Jessica asked Dallas. Asked as Dallas escorted her out of the big sports utility vehicle, Ebdro. We both know that Lopez is a man of his word, regardless of his bloody reputation. Dallas said tersely. We have to hope that he told the truth. Jessica nimbled on her fingers all the way to the mall, which was only about six minutes away from Ebb's ranch. She sat close beside Dallas in the back seat, holding his hand tightly. Sally glanced back at them, silently praying all the way, worried for all of them, but especially for little Stevie. Her hand felt for Ebb's, and he grasped it tightly, sparing her a reassuring smile. The minutes seemed like hours as they sped into town. Ebb had no sooner parked the vehicle in the parking lot than Jessica was out the door, hurrying with Dallas right beside her to guide her steps. Ebb and Sally followed the couple into the small sto toy store, and there was Stevie, sitting on the floor, playing with a mechanical elephant that walked and lifted its trunk in triumph. It's Stevie, Dallas said huskily. He's fine. Where? Stevie? Jessica called brokenly, holding out her arms. Hi, Mom, Stevie explained, leaving the toy to run her arms. Gosh! I was scared, but that man taught me how to play poker and gave me a soda. He said I was brave and he admired my courage. Were you scared, Mom? Jessica was crying so hard that she could barely speak at all. She hugged her child close and couldn't seem to let him go, even when he wiggled. Let his dad have a little of this joyful reunion, Dallas murmured dryly, holding out his arm. 
Stevie went right into them and hugged him hard. I don't have a real dad now, he said, but you're going to be a great dad, Dallas. You and Mia will go to all the wrestling matches and take Mom and describe everything to her, won't we? Yes, Dallas said his voice husky, his eyes bright. As he rocked his child in his arms with mingled relief and affection, we'll do that. Jessica felt her way into Dallas's arm with Stevie pressed there for a long moment. Beside them, Sally held tight to Eb's hand and smiled with pure delight. I had an adventure, Steve said when his parents let go. But it's nice to be home again. Can I have that elephant? He sure is neat. You can have a whole circus if I can find you one for sale. Dallas up, I was going to but for now, I think we'll go back to the ranch. They paid for the elephant and got into the truck with Evan Sally. Can you drop us off at our house? Jessica asked Eb. There was a hesitation. She heard it and smiled. Lopez says that he had no more business with me, Jessica told him. He didn't even question what I told him, she said. He said that Isabel was always asking him questions and pretending to care about him. He knew she didn't. He didn't sound very sorry that he killed her. He did sound very sorry that he killed her. Perhaps a small part of him that's so human can feel remorse. Who knows? One day, Dallas said coldly, we'll catch up with him. This isn't over, you know, even if he is through making threats toward you and Stevie. He's going to pay for this, and somehow we're going to stop him from setting up business in Jacobsville. We have Rodrigo in place, Evergreen. I'm sorry watching the progress of the warehouse. It won't be easy, but if we're careful, we may cut this source of supply and his distribution network right in half. Cut off the head and the snake dies. Amen, Dallas replied. Dallas got out of the sports utility vehicle with Jessica and Stevie, waving the other couple off with a big smile. You really believe Lopez meant it when he said he was quits with Jessica? Sally asked, still not quite convinced of the outlaw's serenity. Yes, I do, Ed replied, glancing at her with a smile. He's a snake, but his word is worth something. Sally turned her head toward Eb and studied his profile warmly with soft, covertous eyes. Glanced over and met that look. He, his own eyes knew. A lot has happened since last night, he said quietly. You still mean what you told me at dawn? That I'd marry you, she asked. You know, oh, yes, she said. I meant every word. I want to live with you all my life. It won't bother you to have professional mercenaries running around the place all hours for a while, he teased. She grinned. Why should I? Why shouldn't it? I am, after all, a mercenary's woman. Not quite yet, he murmured with a worried glance. And very soon, a mercenary's wife. That sounds very respectable, she commented. I'm glad you waited for me, Sally, he said seriously. So am I. She slid her hand into his big one and held on tight. It tingled all the way up her arm. We've had enough excitement for today, he said. But tomorrow we'll see about getting a license. You want a justice of the peace or a minister to marry us? A minister, she said at once. I want a permanent marriage. He nodded. So do I. And you have to have a white gown with a veil. Her eyebrows arched. You're not just a mercenary's woman. You're a vir virtuous mercenary's woman. I want to watch you flow down the aisle to me, covered in silk and satin and lace, with a veil for me to lift after we've said our vows. She smiled with her heart. That would be nice. There's a little boutique. We'll fly up to Dallas and give one of them at Nia Marcus. She gasped. You're marrying a rich man, he pointed out. Humor me. It's going to be a social event. Let me take you out like a comet. She laughed. All right. I'd really love a white wedding, if you don't mind. And we'll both wear rings yet. We'll get those in Dallas, too. Her eyes were full of dreams as she looked at her future husband hungrily. There was only one small worry. Eb, about Maggie. Maggie is a closed chapter, he told her. 
I adored her in my way, but she was never in love with me. I stood in court shadow even then, and she never realized it. She still hasn't. He glanced at her and smiled. I love you, you know. He murmured, watching her eyes light up. I've never have. I never have proposed of that. I love you too, Eb. She said solemnly. I always will. His fingers curled tightly in her. Dreams really do come true. She wouldn't have argued with that statement to save her life. And she said so. It was the society event of the year in Jacobsville, eclipsed only by Simon Hart's wedding, with the governor giving Tara away. There were no major celebrities at Eb and Sally's wedding, but Eb did have a conglomerate of mercenaries and government agencies, the like of which Jacobsville had never seen. Cordero Miro was sitting with Maggie on the groom side of the church, along with a tall, tall strikingly dark-haired man with a small mustache. A neat brief beard. Beside him was a big blonde man who made even Dallas look shorter on the pew across from him. On Sally's side of the church was a blue-eyed brunette who avoided looking at the big blonde man. Sally recognized her as Callie, the stepsister of the big blonde man, who was Eb's friend Micah Steele. A number of men in suits filled the rest of the groom's pews. Some were wearing sunglasses inside. Others were watching the people on the bride side of the church, which wasn't packed since Sally hadn't been back in Jacobsville long enough to make close friends in the community. Jessica was there with Stevie and Dallas, of course. Sally walked down the aisle all by herself since she hadn't contacted either of her parents about her wedding. They had their own lives now, and either of them had written Sally since the breakup of their family when she moved in with Jessica. She didn't really mind going it alone. Somehow, under the circumstances, it even seemed appropriate. She wore a dream of a wedding gown with yards and yards of delicate lace and a train and a veil that accented her blonde beauty. Eb stood at the altar waiting for her in a gray vested suit with a white rose in his lapel. He turned as she joined him and looked down at her with eyes that made her knees weak. The ceremony was brief but potent, and when Eb lifted the veil to kiss her for the first time as her husband, tears welled up in her eyes as his mouth tenderly claimed hers. They had they held hands going back down the aisle, wearing matching simple gold bands. Outside the church they were pelted with rice and good wishes. Laughing, Sally tossed her bouquet and Dallas intercepted it to make sure it landed in Jessica's hands. They climbed into the rented limousine, and minutes later they were at Eb's ranch, pausing just long enough to change into traveling clothes and rush to the private airship to board a lone Learjet to the trip to Puerto Verdeo, Mexico, for their brief honeymoon. The trip was tiring, and so was the aftermath of the day's excitement. Sally climbed into the huge whirlpool bath, while Eb made dinner reservations for that evening. She didn't realize that she wasn't alone until Eb climbed down into the water with her, chuckled at her expression, and then he kissed her. Very soon, she forgot all about her shock at the first sight of her unclothed bridegroom and the joy of an embrace that knew no obstacles. He kissed her until she, he kissed her until she was clinging, gasping for breath and shivering with pleasure. Where he whispered, choking her tenderly, enjoying her reaction to her first real intimacy. Here, or in the bed. She couldn't barely speak in bed, she said huskily. That suits me. He got out and turned off the jets, lifting her clear off the wa off the water to towel them both dry. Picked her up and carried her quickly into the bedroom, barely taking time to strip down the covers before he fell with her onto crisp, clean sheets. She knew the first time were knew that first times were notoriously painful, embarrassing, and uncomfortable, but hers was notoriously except 
was a notable exception. It was skillful and slow, arousing her to a hot frenzy of response before he even began to touch her intimately. By the time his body slid down against hers in stark possession, she was lifting toward him and pleading for an end to the violent tension of pleasure he aroused in her. Her breath jerked out at his ear at the slow, steady invasion of her most private place and the silence that magnified the least little sound. She heard his heartbeat and her own increased with every careful thrust of his hips. She heard his breathing, erratic, rough, mingling with her own exciting little moans. She felt one lean hand sliding up her bare leg as he turned and shifted his weight against her, and when he touched her high on her inner thigh in a rhythm like the des descent of his body, she arched up toward him and groaned in anguish. He laughed softly at her temple while he increased the rhythm and caressed her in the most outrageous ways, all the while whispering things so shocking that she gasped. Tossed between waves of pleasure that grew with each passing second, she found herself suddenly suspended somewhere high above reality as she went over some intangible cliff, fell shuddering with ecstasy, ecstasy into a white-hot oblivion. She felt him there with her, felt his pleasure in her body, felt his own release, even as hers threatened to last forever. She wondered dimly if she was going to survive the incredible delight of it. She shivered helplessly as pleasure washed over her, and she clung harder to the source of it, pleading for him not to stop. When she was finally exhausted and barely able to catch her breath, she tucked her close. he tucked her close in his arms and pulled the sheet over. Sleep now, he whispered, kissing her forehead. Like this? She asked uncertainly. Just like this, he wrapped her close. We'll sleep a little, and then... And then? The dinner reservations went unclaimed. Through the long night, she, she learned more than she ever dreamed about men and bodies and lovemaking. For the first time, she told her delightful husband it was quite extraordinary. They had breakfast in bed and then set out to explore the old city, but by evening they were exploring each other again. A week later, they arrived back home at Ebb's Ranch to find a flurry of new activity. A local undercover DEA agent, was, whose wife, Lisa Monroe, lived on a ranch next to the door to Side Parks, had been found murdered. Apparently, he infiltrated Lopez's organization and been discovered. Rodrigo was still undercover, and Ebb was concerned for him. The warehouse next door to Cy was in the final stages of construction. Things were heating up in Jacobsville. At least we had a honeymoon, Ed murmured dryly, hugging his new wife close. So we did, she agreed. She looked up at him lovingly. And now you're back off adventuring. Whoa, so are you, he pointed out. After all, isn't teaching second graders a daily adventure as well? She hugged him close. Being married to you is the biggest adventure, but you have to promise not to ever get shot at again. I'll give you my word as a Girl Scout, he murmured dryly. She punched him in the stomach. And if you wait in the battle, I'll be right there beside you on spare cartridges, he searched right. You really are a hell of a woman, he murmured. She grinned. I'm glad to notice. Lucky me, he said, only half factitiously and bent to kiss her with unbridled passion. Lucky. Lucky me, he added while he could manage speech. Sally wrapped her arms around him and held on tight. As intoxicated with pleasure as he was, there would always be the threat of danger, but nothing that mercenary, but nothing that the mercenary and his woman couldn't handle. But for the moment, she had her soldier for fortune right where she wanted him, in her gentle, loving arms. The end of Mercenary's Woman.